alpha, always an alpha. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Tracing the Fingerprints of God. I'm your host, Saleya, and today's episode is titled Grace and Faith, A Journey of Faith and Healing. So, I am so excited to be talking to you all today. I have an amazing story to tell you. Yes, it is story time. I told you last episode, bring your tissues. So go ahead, pause, hit pause, grab them real quick, grab a napkin, paper towel, whatever you need, just in case, because um, I'm a crier. I don't know about you, but I like to cry. So <laughs> I just like to purge, you know, all that energy out, whatever, whatever emotion is building up to me. So I want you to go ahead and do that if needed. But if not, thank you for being here. If you listened to the first episode, I want to thank you for taking your time, supporting this podcast, supporting God's word and this mission that he has given me to do. So give yourself a round of applause, insert clap right here, (laughs) because it really means a lot to me um, that you would just take the time to listen to what God has for you, not even what I have to say, but what he has to say to you so um we're also going to talk a little bit about god being a gift as well in our lives and um his fingerprint is one of those gifts okay so i do have a couple papers in front of me i've got a notebook i've got um a sheet i've got my bible so if you hear a couple pieces of paper flying around i don't even care because we're going to get into it okay So last episode, I told you um, a brief introduction into my testimony and why I began this podcast, what made me start. So um, if you didn't listen, a quick summary, I um, gave birth prematurely to twin girls last year. And um, today, I never thought that I would be in this place where I am. And when I mean this place, I mean this joy, this happiness, this fulfillment, this purpose, this mission, this mindset, and this freedom. So I really want to share my testimony and testimonies of others who have been able to overcome their darkness, their struggles, their pains through the help of God. So that is the gist of this podcast. We're finding his imprint in our lives where he has just been present, even in moments that feel like complete darkness and loneliness. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about today. So in order to give you a full understanding of my journey, I'm going to start from the beginning. And the beginning is pregnancy test. So, um, in, I, and I'm, I'm good with dates. So I, I always remember dates. March 18th, 2022, I took a pregnancy test, found out that I was pregnant. So um, I, I go and tell the father, who is my best friend, and his name is Trey. And I tell him like, hey, um, you know, kind of got this thing going on in my belly. <laughs> And we're like, whoa, you know, my, my initial response at first was, 
oh my gosh, I'm having a baby. Like, I'm so excited. I love being a mom. I love being pregnant. I'm like, yay, because I wanted, I wanted to have another baby soon anyway. So I'm like, yippee. So, so I'm like, I'm pregnant. I go to tell him and, um, and we're like, okay, you know, we're, we're about to have a baby. And so, um, I, I started having, um, I had initial excitement, but over time I had outside pressure that was starting to brew and it was in regards to me considering an abortion and it was from like I said it was just it was it was outside of me and um I just I was like huh like I I wasn't understanding like I'm a good mom you know like I love being a mom this is my baby you know why should I feel like I should do this you know what I mean um And so I really felt in that moment, I didn't recognize it, but I really felt the enemy's hands on my life, like around my belly, like just, just trying to get me to commit something that I honestly would never do. And I've always said, you know, I don't, I don't judge anyone who has considered abortion, who has had an abortion or who is um, pro-choice, but my choice was life. Like I always said, um, you know, I just, I just would, I just couldn't. So to get that outside pressure and from people who are close to me was hard and they didn't have any ill intentions, but their, their thought process and their logic behind it was just different from mine. So for a little while, maybe a couple of weeks, that was something that I was actually considering because at the time, it's, it, I'm just thinking it's one baby. I'm not even knowing that it's two babies, okay? Like, I, this is in March. I'm, you know, I'm just finding out um, and I'm not really, I'm not really knowing the full, you know, of everything can't find the word I'm looking for to insert but the full capacity of everything so and I just want to be honest and transparent because I know that there are women who are going or families who are going to go through that and what I would say in regards to that outside pressure is to stick to your gut what your heart is telling you or not even your heart but allow God to speak to you and I feel that if we are given the opportunity to grow life take that opportunity we may not think that we're ready but God is God gives and he takes away so if he didn't think you were ready he wouldn't give it to you or give the baby to you um there's there's so many things that could happen, but it's a truly a miracle to have life. Like as a woman, you are growing another human being inside of you. I feel like a lot of times we we take that miracle for granted. Like we don't realize that this person is one day going to grow up and they're going to be able to talk and walk and sing and dance and and have critical thinking skills and maybe even be a genius or become the president or a nurse or a doctor or a motivational speaker or change the world you know like you never know who that person can become and for me to 
go ahead and strip them of that opportunity. That just wasn't something that I personally was able to do. And I, I know my capabilities as a mother. And so I was like, you know what? I have to get all of these outside opinions and thoughts out of my head because ultimately I'm the one who's going to be a mother, not them, you know? And this is my child, not theirs. So that's what I decided to do. I decided to keep my baby. And um, a month later, like exactly a month later, I found out it was twins. <laughs> and I told the father, Trey, and <laughs> he was so, <laughs> he was in so much shock. I mean, ladies, imagine telling, you know, your partner that you're having a baby, but imagine telling him that you're having two. And it was, it was, a, if I had the video, I wish I had the video, I would share it onto my, onto my Instagram page because he was just like twins, like th there's two in there. <laughs> but anyway, um, we didn't find out it was girls until June. So a couple months later, we found out it was two girls, um, at our gender reveal. And we were even in even more shock because he always wanted two girls and Mello, my son kept saying, I, it's two girls in there, mommy. I want two sisters. It's two girls in there. I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to see. And me, I'm like, you know, I've always wanted girls. So I'm like, there's no way I'm going to have two girls. Like, I, I just don't believe there's at least one boy in there. <laughs> so, um, we get to the gender reveal and we find out, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like God is really trusting me right now, like with this responsibility. So I was just kind of taken aback by the outcome okay and uh, we were just so excited we were so anxious and and really looking forward to these two baby girls I mean we started setting up room and you know getting baby shower stuff together and just kind of planning things in our heads um we thought of names and everything so um I was asleep one night when I was pregnant and I mean like knocked out cold right and I'm laying in my bed and I'm laying I'm lying on my back and I'm just sleeping peacefully. And then all of a sudden I wake up and I gasp for air like, <gasps> and I say, Amaya. And I'm like, huh? And so I just turn to my phone and I write down or I type in the name Amaya in my notes. And then I just go back to sleep. And I am a dreamer. If anyone is a dreamer that's listening, I dream vivid dreams, not just when I'm pregnant, but all the time. So, um, God literally just woke me up out of my sleep and I call it a zombie sit up where, or a Frankenstein sit up where you're just like lying on your back and you just sit all the way up at like a 90 degree angle. I woke up like that and I said her name and, um, I just typed it down and that was okay. That's baby A's name, you know? And, um, I'll explain the, the meaning behind the name later, but I later found this out. I didn't even know when God gave it to me. So um, Amaya is the older twin. And then we have our younger name, I mean, our younger twin, sorry. And her name is Amila. So, um, we found out we had girls and we, um, end up, you know, we're doing like a little family trip at the end of June, moving forward in the timeline. We're doing a family trip to Six Flags. We're having fun. I'm starting to feel some really bad pains, like just, too much pressure too soon and I'm thinking I know I'm carrying twins but it's it's four months and um this pain like I don't know if I can continue this for another 
you know, four months. Like this is a lot. So um, we're at Six Flags and we're in the water and I'm starting to experience like, like fluid. Like it feels like, I mean, I never had my water break. I didn't have it break with Mellow. So I didn't know what that felt like, but I'm starting to kind of see, you know, women, I'm not going to get into much detail, but if you're a woman, if you had a child, you know what I mean? I'm getting signs that something's not quite right. Okay. So the next day, you know, I'm just relaxing. And then that night I, um, I started having those pains again. I go to the restroom and I'm bleeding. So urgently, you know, of course I go to the hospital and I'm in the emergency room with this pain and the pain is, you know, right on my low uterus men who don't know what a uterus is. <laughs> just think of like your lower abdomen um, going towards your pelvic area. Okay. I'm feeling a lot of pain right under there and it's very uncomfortable. So I get to the hospital. I'm in there for a couple hours. Um, the twins father, Trey, he takes me and he's just in there with me the whole time. I get upstairs to labor and delivery because we're trying to explain to them like, Hey, this is, this is something serious. She's carrying twins. And, um, the woman checks my cervix and meaning that she checks to see, you know, if how I'm trying to be a little more <laughs> detailed for those who may not know, you know, so I'm sorry if I'm pregnancy for, for dummies over here. Um, but she's checking my cervix, meaning that she's, she's trying to check to see if I've dilated any, if I'm about to give birth at any time soon, just to make sure that everything is intact or to see if it's not intact. So she pretty much sees that my water has broke. And of course it is way too early for anything like that. At this point, I'm maybe 20, 20 to 21 weeks pregnant. So there's called a week of vi viability, meaning that there's a certain week or time span where if the baby is born prematurely, that they could, you know, have the baby rest in NICU for a little while and take care of the baby there so that it can be successful and have a, you know, a long normal life afterwards. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's just a risk. You never really know. So, um, but my babies, if they were to be born that day, or even the time that they were born, they just, they didn't, ha they weren't developed enough. So my water broke and I, y'all, when I tell you, I let out a whale that I, I didn't even know was in me. Like I, I didn't know that I was capable of making a sound like that, but I was so distraught and overwhelmed and just felt crushed because, you know, I've done, I, I love being pregnant. I love motherhood. And I love learning more about pregnancy and birth. And for her to tell me that I knew what it meant, you know, like I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't need anything else. I knew what it meant. Um, but as the days went on, I ended up having to stay in the hospital for 10 days. I was on bed rest because, you know, if I continued to walk and do anything is, is, it's positive that I'm going to give birth early. So being on bed rest is trying to prevent that or delay that at least to when the babies can be born around a safe time that they can, you know, continue to live. So that was the goal was to be on bed rest, to stay in, you know, under nurse supervision with my family there as support as well, and to just try and hold and, and wait it out really. So that's what I was doing. And, um, 
you know, like as, as no, I, no one can understand the, <laughs> the feelings that I was feeling. Like I, I just was in complete shock because I had expectancy, you know, when you're pregnant, it's called you're, you're expecting, you're expecting, you're expecting. And I feel like a lot of times that's where we can fall short with God is because we can be expecting things that maybe he didn't even promise us. And so, or maybe we took things into our own hands and it wasn't something that he had in store for us. And now we're expecting, 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 but he never said that that's a gift that he would give us. So um, I'm lying in there and I'm just trying to be okay, you know, and then days are going by where I haven't seen my son and that's killing me because I love my baby. We normally spend, you know, a long time together. So it was just really hard amidst this. Now this gets even crazier. My lease for my apartment was up. So I was already packing and, and moving out, um, prior to that happening. So now I'm in the hospital and my lease is about to end while I'm in the hospital and I can't even pack my things. I can't move out. I can't even say goodbye. I'm a little sentimental. So I'm like, bye apartment, you know, (laughs) just kind of reminiscing on all the memories. I can't even do that. So thankfully, God, God is so amazing. My, my lovely aunt and my mom and my cousins and some of my friends came and moved my entire apartment, packed everything up and moved everything for me while I laid in the bed and watched them on FaceTime do it. But I was just so blessed at the support and the love that I had from them. And that was something that God was able to show me while being in the hospital was how much support I had and that's one key component of his evidence of his his fingerprint amidst this this tragic or this traumatic situation was that he didn't leave me alone you know like he didn't just say I'm gonna have you go through this and I'm not gonna give you any help like he gave me so much help and so much love that I didn't even know existed you know like sometimes people don't always tell you they love you or show up for you in ways because it just may not be needed you know and so you may not always understand or fully grasp the magnitude of someone's love and care for you but in this moment where I'm really in a really dark time you know or really a really struggling time because it it didn't get dark yet you know I I still have hope uh, or had hope at the time but it it was getting there and I had all these people show up for me and pray for me and send me flowers and send me love and it was just an an outpour of, of love and I I thank God for that because I really wouldn't have been able to get through that without the love and support from my family, my friends, and even the nurses and some of the doctors as well. The nurses were really the A-team. Like, they were some truly amazing women. If you are a nurse, you are, and you are underappreciated, I want you to know that I truly appreciate everything that you do because you are powerful women, and you really do a lot, and I'm very grateful for your commitment. So, um, moving forward, um... I 
am monitored, you know, night and day. I have to get all kinds of things done, <laughs> blood drawn and these compression um, things on my legs that are to help the blood circulate in my legs so that, um, you know, I can be able to walk and I'm not, my legs aren't pretty much depleting since I'm not being able to walk for so long. Those were so annoying. <laughs> like they were so annoying. It's like, it's pretty much like if you ever get your blood, not your blood drawn, your, um, your vitals done, like get your, uh, what is it called? I can't remember when you get your, um, blood pressure. Sorry. <laughs> when you get, I'm not, I'm not stopping recording today. I don't care how much I mess up because I just need to get it all out. Um, when you get your blood pressure drawn and you have that thing squeezing on your arm, that's, that was on both of my legs, on my calves. And it was just, it was so annoying <laughs> night and day. That thing is just pressing and squeezing. And you're like, I just want to free my legs. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm being monitored. I have a belt around my stomach, which is monitoring to see if I'm having any contractions. Um, the nurses can see that on the screen to see if I'm having contractions, even when they're not in the room, just to kind of keep an eye on me and make sure I'm not going into labor or if I do that, they are there, you know, for me. So um, I also want to express my gratitude for Trey, um, their father. He was unwavering in his commitment to being there. Like he, he had to leave, you know, every now and then to, um, you know, go home, change, do a couple of things, run some errands, but he was there. He was there in the morning. He was there in the day. He was there in the night. He brought me anything that I needed. This man washed my hair for me <laughs> while I was in the bed. Um, he brought his whole PlayStation for me to play video games with him while I was there. I mean, he, he loves his daughters. He loves his daughters and he, is an amazing father and I'm so grateful for his commitment and his support and his love. So, um, he, what happened to be, to not be here on this particular day as of yet, I'm in the hospital and I'm having some pains, like some really bad pains. And I wasn't even paying attention to them and the fact that, they were contractions. Like in the moment, I'm not realizing these are contractions. And my dad is there with me. And we had really pressured for my dad to be able to come and visit me in the hospital because my mom was going to be traveling and she wanted to make sure someone else could be there. So, you know, my mom had been there, Trey had been there, and now my dad was here. And, um, I'm there and I'm just talking to him and we're just watching TV. He's been there with me almost all day. And I'm having these pains and this one day, the contraction monitor is not on my belly, right? And Trey is heading towards me, but he's a little bit ways away. So I'm just having these pains and they're coming and they're going. I'm just thinking like, maybe, you know, I've got gas <laughs> or maybe it's just, you know, the babies are just in there having a little fight fest going on and, you know, that's what I'm feeling. So, um... If you know what a commode is, if you've ever been in the hospital, it's pretty much like a little, um, a little seated toilet that is portable and it sits, you can move it around the room. If you're in the hospital, it, well, it was sitting right next to my bed. So I was able to get up and use the restroom. Right. So I get some privacy from everyone. I step over just to use the, and again, I'm not walking. I'm literally stepping out of my bed. 
I'm standing for a half second and I'm sitting down. And as I sit, I feel pressure like like I'm about to give birth. And the nurse, I think that actually a nurse was in there with me. And I'm like, what is going on? What 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 is going on? Like, please tell me this is not what I think it is. And so she doesn't want to say, I could see it on her face, but she's like, go ahead and just lay down. I'm going to grab a doctor. And I'm like, I know what's going on. So I call Trey and I'm like, I need you to get here right now. You know, I'm not trying to, to, I'm not trying to worry him, but I'm like, I need you to move at the speed of light. (laughs) So he's, um, running, he's flying to get there. And my dad is there with me and I'm just, I'm holding And the nurses are like, you're going to have to push the babies are coming you're gonna have to push and I'm like I'm not pushing I'm waiting until he gets here so I'm waiting for maybe 20 minutes or less and I'm meanwhile I could have had (laughs) I could have given birth and stopped the contractions I sat through this pain to wait until he got here because I just I couldn't do it without him you know um I wouldn't want him to not be there so he comes running in as I'm lying on the bed And my dad is there with me and the nurses are there. And um, I told him, like, he grabs my hand and I told him, like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's like, I'm here with you. It's okay. It's okay. It's not your fault. And so I go ahead and push out baby number one, which is Amaya. And she tells me. She is still breathing and she is still moving. I just want you to know. And she wraps her up in a blanket. And she tries to pass her to me. And I just, I just couldn't. Like, I just wailed that wail again that was just depleted of all hope and, and energy. And I just, I couldn't hold her. I couldn't even look at her because I was just in shock like going through something in that like that in that moment you it's hard to grasp that this is reality like it's very hard to grasp and I don't know if it's me also being a dreamer and sometimes my dreams are so real that I don't know if I'm dreaming or if I'm awake <laughs> I, I I thought that I was dreaming in that moment like I'm like this is not happening right now um so Trey takes the baby and he's holding Amaya and he's talking to her and he's whispering to her and just having a conversation, having his moment, you know. And um, my mom ends up getting there sometime right after that. And uh, my dad's there and uh, I'm just lying in on the bed, just staring at the ceiling. I don't know what to do, what to say, because... I'm knowing what's happening, but there's nothing that I can do, you know, like in in moments like this, all you want to do is stop everything. You want to change the course. You want to fix things. You want to make everything okay and make everything right. And I couldn't even feel what needed to be, what demanded to be felt because I was just in such shock. Like I just stare at the ceiling like, with no emotion on my face. I, I, I was just, I was in another world. And, um, so they're, they're thinking, okay, you have baby number one, hopefully, you know, baby number two won't come, you know, but 
your uterus might just go ahead and push baby number two out as well. So be prepared for that to happen. But um, you might be able to hang on to baby two. So I'm praying that I can do that. And, you know, I, I didn't mention before, but the entire time I was in the hospital, all I did was pray. All I did was talk to God. And, you know, I talked to him before and I and I I didn't have the best relationship at the time, but I did believe that there was a God. But I was still searching for him. But I don't think it was in the right places or it just it just wasn't it wasn't the God that I know now. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, so I'm talking to God the whole time. Um, and, and in this moment, uh, as I'm staring at the ceiling, I'm just like where are you? Because this should not have happened to me. Where are you? Like, while all of this is going on, where did you go? And that goes back to my level of expectancy. God didn't promise me this. He, this wasn't his will. It wasn't his will for me to have those babies when they were, you know, supposed to be when they were due, they were due in November. They, he, it wasn't his will for that to happen. So of course, in that time, I'm not thinking from that perspective. I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, that this is an unexpected journey. So, um, I have baby number two and, um, she's born and they wrap her up in a blanket they give their condolences. Um, they, you know, wash me up, make sure that I'm situated. And then they leave me to say my goodbyes, to have my time with my daughters. And at this point, it's myself. I hope y'all can't hear that thunder out there because it's storming. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not cutting. I'm not cutting. <laughs> It's just going to be what it is. But, um, and, and meanwhile, let me, let me say this because this is very, this is very so 360 and like God, but the, the entire time that I'm in the hospital, quick interlude, the entire time that I'm in the hospital, it doesn't rain. It's, it sprinkles a little bit here and there, but it, it, it never rains. It looks like it's going to rain the entire time, but it never does. The day I give birth, it poured, it showered. I mean, it came down so hard, like, I'm just looking out the window from my bed, like, wow, you're, you're right on time when it rains, it pours, you know, like, it, it just was the perfect metaphor to my pain, you know, to what was going on. So now that I'm here recording this, and it's raining, it, it's so like God for this to align like that. I just love, I love him. I love how he works. But, um... Yeah, at this point in the hospital, it's myself, it's Trey, it's our twins, and um, it's my mom and dad, and his mom is also there as well. And um, it was very emotional, you know, um, especially to have both of my parents there, and Trey's mom is, is like a mother to me as well. So to have all three of them there with us, um, it was another blessing. It was another blessing to have that support, not from... You know, nurses, y'all, they are amazing, but they're not family. You know, they're not someone close to you that you know to be there with you and support and love on you. But to have our parents there with us, that was a gift from God. And uh, to be able to say goodbye, that was a gift from God. 
because a lot of a lot of women who give birth prematurely may not even have that opportunity. I've, I've heard some stories and I don't want to go into detail um, because if you know, you know, but some women do not have the opportunity to say goodbye. And I was able to hold my babies for 24 hours and say goodbye. And I'm so grateful for that because I got to look at their faces and as we're holding them, Trey and I were able to smile. We were able to laugh at Amaya having his nose <laughs> and Amila having my nose. Um, but Amaya had Trey's whole face <laughs> and Amila looked a lot like Mello. So um, it was a beautiful moment to be able to, that I will be able to cherish, that we were able to share that together and to kiss them and to hug them and to sing them a song like I always wanted to and to and to have our parents there that were able to do that same thing too you know like grandparents don't always get that that privilege either so to be able for them to be there and present with us in that moment was a gift so and I'm bringing that to your attention because I'm showing the small details where God is just laying fingerprint after fingerprint after fingerprint because he didn't have to do that. He truly didn't. But he did that for me. He gave me grace. He gave me mercy on a traumatic and in my eyes horrific event. The worst thing in my eyes at the time that has happened to me. He gave me grace. He said, I'm going to break you, but I'm going to do it gracefully. I just, I just had to let that sit because I was broken. I've never been broken away. I mean, I was shattered and he knew, <laughs> he knew this would do this to me. I always said my biggest fear was losing a child. And then one day I lost two two babies, two little girls that I always wanted. I lost two children at one time. And I, in that moment, I'm thinking, no, like th- this is not real. This, this can't be something is wrong. How is this? How is this happening? So moving forward, um, I say goodbye to my beautiful daughters. Um, who I named Amaya Grace Wahid and Amila Faith Wahid. Amaya's name means with God. And Amila's name means work of God. So to find out their names and af- like after the fact like fully comprehend the meaning behind it was astounding to me because I'm like, okay, so my, my, my daughters are with God and they're showing his work. What does that look like? What does his work truly look like? And today, which is, um, July 3rd, 2023, I am what God's work looks like. I am a walking and living testimony 
of what his work looks like. And his work is beautiful and graceful and merciful and gentle, even through suffrage. So um, I just, I have to express my gratitude for how delicate he was with something so fragile and the collateral beauty that he gave me amidst this journey and when I say collateral beauty I mean that he gave me beauty within my loss within death and he showed me something that he showed me that even though a life may be dying or passing, that I can still have life and I can have it to the fullest because it's within him. And he gave me a new life. I'm going to try not to cry <laughs> because like anybody who knows me personally, I have not always been this person. I lived a life of of sin, a life of pain, a life of trauma that never got healed. I lived a life of of overthinking, of negative thoughts. I I lived an angry life before. I lived a life that just was not what God wanted for me. And if this was how he needed to course change and and change direction for me to be in alignment with him, then I take joy in that. And that goes into one of the scriptures that really kept me pushing amidst this process. And it was Psalm 27, 1. Actually, no, that was one I'm going to bring up later. It was Psalm um, 119, 71. And I'm going to read it for you real quick. And that is Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And statutes meaning law. And so God has to afflict us. If, if Jesus himself walked along this earth as a pure man, as a holy and righteous man, committing no sin, no evil, and this man was defiled and crucified, that's the type of suffers that a lot of us will never experience. So this type of affliction, it grew me and molded me into the woman that I am today, into the mother that I am today, into the servant of the Lord that I am today. And that's why I speak with so much authority because it's not authority of my own, but it's the authority that God gave me as through my testimony, through my experience with him, the, the intimacy and the closeness that we have shared together. I know firsthand and that's why I'm doing this podcast like this. This is a little it's a little off topic. It's not off topic, but it's, it's not I'm not going with with my with my timeline right now. But I don't care because this has to be said. But your testimony is important. 
God doesn't give you a testimony just to go around blabbing about yourself. Like, no, this is for him. This is for all the other lost souls out there who need a beacon of light and hope. And when they see you and they see you living your life devoted to God and and serving others and helping others and loving and caring on others, they they can see God through you. That's how God uses us. So imagine you're watching because I know a lot of people like to watch those crime shows. Is it not important when they have a witness come to the stand and testify? If someone's on trial and their whereabouts are being questioned, they may have a witness come to the stand and say, I was with this person or I didn't see this person at all. Is that not a testimony? They're literally testifying on behalf of someone or against someone as evidence. It's called testimonial evidence in a case trial. So if God is is constantly being put on trial He's, he's not this, he's not that. I mean, it may be a God, but he's not the one that, that you think he is or, or Jesus. I don't think he did all of, all of those things. Like I just, I think he was just a man, you know, like, and Hey, I mean, there are people who really believe this and I, I used to be one of them. So I'm not bashing anybody, but now I can say once I fully accepted Yeshua or Jesus into my life, that's when everything changed. That's when my life changed. That's when I felt chains break and I was able to experience freedom from everything. So your testimony is important. Christ is being put on trial daily and we are allowing him to be judged by our silence because we're not giving our testimony. Let people know that he is innocent of all charges. Testify on his behalf. Testify. Because you aren't the only one. But your silence, it hinders the growth of the kingdom. It hinders you. Or should we not rejoice and be excited that God is alive? That that Jesus is interceding on our behalf, that we have eternal salvation. Like, should we not be excited about that? I mean, as a believer, I know I'm excited. <laughs> that was one of the things when when I was going through my depression and, and after losing my daughters, and I don't even like to say losing because I lost absolutely nothing. I gained so much more. But when my daughters left this realm. Selfishly, I asked God, but it, it wasn't so selfish. I was literally pouring out to him and I'm just like, God, how, how do I get my daughters? How do I get back to them? I will do whatever you say. And when I accepted Jesus into my life, that was the turning point. That was the turning point for everything. Um, I don't even know <laughs> how to get back to my timeline. It doesn't even matter. But um, I remember at the end of July, I was... Uh, I decided to go to church. Like, again, I had the girls in, what's it called? Uh, July 6th. And it was July 27th that I ended up going to church. And I had been wanting to go, but, you know, life happened. And I, I went on the 27th, but it was the perfect time. We had a guest pastor. And um, 
he was he wasn't preaching but he was just in the audience our regular our normal bishop is preaching and you know i'm listening to the message i'm paying attention but it's not you know nothing's really resonating me but i'm still you know good word good word and so um the bishop asks us, you know, he always asks, does anyone have anything to say? Do they want to have any comments or have any questions? I really like that he opens the floor up so that, you know, anyone can be able to speak. And it really builds more of an intimacy within the church community. So he, you know, he introduces our, our uh, guest pastor that came to visit and just listen in on the word. And he asks him if he had any comments. And so this man stands up and I'm, I'm in the back, the very last row with um, with Trey. And this man stands up. And he says, I don't know who needs to hear this, but God is telling me to tell you to keep the faith. You're going through something right now. And he wants me to let you know to keep the faith. Trust him. Trust him all the more. And he starts speaking in tongues. And I tell you, I felt a burning sensation in my abdomen. I mean, it was like nothing I have ever felt before. And I was just on fire and I started sweating and I started crying as he's speaking in tongues. And when they say that someone is speaking in tongues, that there will be God will give someone to interpret the language that they are speaking. And so a woman grabs a microphone and she was just saying, keep the faith, keep the faith. I don't know who needs to hear this, but keep the faith, keep the faith all the more. Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is with you. And I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm on fire because I know God extended his hand out to me. He extended his hand out to me. And in that moment, I just grabbed it. I grabbed his hand because this is a pain that I don't know how to get out of. I do not know what to do. I am clueless. I've never experienced this before. I don't know what to do. And Lord, I, I came here for you. And it was, it just took one time. It didn't take me two visits to church. It took one visit. And you know, God, God, of, of course, he, you don't have to go to church to experience his presence. Of course not. I don't want to give that, that, that wrong impression at all. But, um, it was a fact that I, I'm seeking him still amidst this pain. And he's like, you're seeking me. I'm right here. Like I, I'm all open arms for you come come to me all of you who thirst and I will give you living water and I decided that day that I was getting baptized so months later what three months later in October that same church we all take a trip to Jacksonville Florida to the beach and I get baptized in living water in the ocean and Aside from me getting my face fan planted in the face planted in the sand <laughs> during my baptism, it was beautiful, and I had women pray over me who knew what I who knew what I went through, and men pray over me who knew what I went through. But to see me myself coming out on the other side of this and meeting God in the water was a day that I will never forget. And, you know, I, I won't say that I popped him out of the water and I was just like, I'm free. Like, <laughs> like I feel amazing. You know, I, I didn't feel like that instantly, but I knew that it was true. And the more that I started to embrace and embody that truth, that I am free, that I am forgiven, that I am loved, that I am cared for, I started to, to walk it. You know, I believed it and I walked it and I expressed it and I just knew 
and all these all these chains just started to break like these generational patterns that have just gone from parent to child to parent to child and I knew that I had to be the one to break certain chains and that's why sometimes the things that we experience are so heavy and they're and they're so crushing and it feels like you can't lift it because you can't you can't do it by yourself I'm here to tell you, you cannot. If there's something that you're going through and you're trying by yourself, I want you to stop. I want you to breathe and I want you to seek God because he wants to help you. He is the only one that can help you. A lot of us try to fill a void with things that do not have the power like he does, the capabilities, the the miracles and wonders that he had that he's capable of there's nothing on earth that can compare to him he created earth so what is better than him i'm waiting god constantly is inviting us to be in his presence to be intimate and personal with him to just talk to him to listen to read his word and when we take part in that gift because it is a gift we are receiving something God doesn't need anything from us he is God he can do and achieve his will any way that he sees fit but he wants you to be a part of that he's inviting you into that journey with him because we experience more from it we experience love and we experience grace we we experience what it feels like to help someone else to watch someone else be free I don't know about you, but I want to take part in that. I want to help people be free. (laughs) I can't go into detail too much because this will be the longest episode ever. And it's probably already long, but I want to help people be free. There are things that have been weighing on you or things that have weighed on you. And you're, you're seeking God, but maybe you're not looking in the right places. Or maybe you're trying to fill the space that he should be in with a void of something that is man-made or even a person itself. But I tell you, if you truly seek his face, he will turn and he will hear your prayers and he will listen to you. And he will bless you. That's all he wants. And I'm so thankful that he is giving me this word to give to you now because when I tell you I typed up an outline you know just of some key points to to touch on to give this timeline of my testimony making sure I'm not missing anything and he took me way off script (laughs) he took me way off script but I'm so and that's how I know that he's working that's how I know that he's here with me because as I prayed over this I just asked him to be present with me to allow me to not be afraid to say everything that I have to say in its fullest 
you know i don't want to miss anything because there's going to be someone on the other end of it and i don't care if it's just one person i don't care if if i make a, a hundred episodes and it's for one person i want that one person to be free that's why i said i'm coming for you <laughs> whoever you are even those of you who think you're not my audience i'm coming for you we're on a mission to save souls where we can't we can't play around with this. This is serious. And I'm not I'm not a, a pastor or a bishop or a, a more or more I. I'm not a rabbi. I am just an ordinary girl. I'm God's child and I have a testimony and I just want to share it. That's all I'm trying to do. So um I want to give you some words of encouragement. I want to give, I'm not even going to go back into some of the things that I was going to say because I feel like, you know, I've, I've given a lot, but I'm thankful for my village that has been with me through the process for the people who have stayed and for the people who have left because I needed whoever was present. I am thankful for God giving me um, these scriptures in my time of need um, I went over Psalms 119.71. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and post those onto my Instagram. That way, in case you missed it, you can go to my Instagram and you can read them. You can search them, look them up, um, meditate on them for yourselves. Um, this is another scripture that also helped me get through. I wrote it down. It was Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the refuge and fortress of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And after losing, excuse me, after my girl's passing, hearing and reading that scripture, it gave me a strength like no other. And I thought, I don't need to be afraid of anyone or anything. Because as long as I'm moving in alignment with God and within his will, I am safe. I am covered and protected. And I have a victory. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to have anxiety. I don't have to be anxious about anything or worried about anything. He is going to provide me with everything that I need. I have everything that I need. So that was one that really stuck out with me. Um, also Romans 5, verse 3 through 5. And not only this, but with joy. Let us exalt in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship produces patient endurance and endurance, proven character and proven character, hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation. So when we are experiencing our sufferings and our hardships, we are growing patient as we endure, endure meaning to, to persevere, to, to keep moving forward no matter what, but with patience, knowing that God God is still coming. God is still going to, to see us through. Even if we suffer all of our lives, we know at the end of it, we are having eternal salvation. We have confident assurance in this, that we will see the kingdom of heaven. And that's why we live our lives or should live our lives in abundance no matter how much we have no matter how much is in our bank account if our house is foreclosed on if our car got repo if our job fired us we don't care about that stuff of course it may be a struggle it may be something to overcome it may be something that's stressful but we're not going to stay there we don't stay in that place because we know that God is going to see us through and that 
that endurance proves our character. It builds our faith in him and gives us hope knowing that I have something to look forward to. I have something that nothing else can give me in this mundane world. Okay, you have something else to look forward to. The last scripture I'm going to leave you with is Romans 8, 18. And it says, for I consider that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. And that pretty much covers exactly what I just said, which is what goes on in this day to day that man that Adam and Eve have have created this society has created not God this society created does not equate to a city of gold to eternal salvation to a place that knows no pain and no sadness and not only what that the aftermath but how we are changed inside as a as a new creature in Christ I can say 1000% I am fully changed I am not the same person that I used to be so I encourage you to share your own story to share your testimony when you are out in the world when you are just talking to friends and family it doesn't matter who it is you know of course you don't have to jam anything down anyone's throat but we should not be afraid to talk about God this is the the man who created us if you can talk about your mom and and your dad who created you you know, or who who gave birth to you, who conceived you, why can't you talk about God? Ultimately, you came from him. He didn't have to put you here, but he did because you have a reason, because you have a purpose and you have a calling. He needs you. He, matter of fact, he wants you. And he loves you enough through all of your suffering, through all of your affliction to give you grace anyway. To give you mercy, even when we give him nothing in return. So my key takeaways that I want to leave with you. Number one, there can be life within death. There can be a beauty. There can be a renewed faith, a renewed hope, a renewed life, even within death. And that is something that I firsthand experienced. Number two, grief demands to be felt but it's not a place to dwell in. As someone who has experienced grief times two in in this instance, I was able to feel it, acknowledge it, but I was able to move forward and know that I have a whole life to live. This is not a space that I can stay in nor want to stay in forever. So I was able to look to, to the Lord to help me out of it. Number three, that goes into number three you are not alone and you don't have to be you can have you have a village even if it's people who may not be close to you seek your village they have communities out there specifically for for everything honestly for any facebook group group anything online you can you can find it there are resources okay and if you are going with someone who is going through something, please reach out to me and I will make sure that I can find a resource for you. If you don't want to do the work, because I know that can be dreading, I will do the work and I will find a resource for you. Number four, God is constantly inviting us to do life with him. Accept the invitation. God 
is constantly putting his fingerprint in our lives, extending his arm, his arms and his hand out to us to step on water with him. Are you going to accept the invitation? Because if you don't, you're only missing an opportunity for growth, for healing, and for love. But I guarantee you, it won't be the last opportunity. It's probably not the first. But don't, don't turn it away. Because God truly loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. That's all he wants. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Tracing the Fingerprints of God. I was so happy and blessed to share this message with you in honor of my two daughters, and I hope that it met you right where you are and was exactly what you needed to hear. If you enjoyed the episode, please like and share with a family member or friend or whoever you think needs to hear it. And if you have any questions on upcoming episodes or anything like that, just go ahead and follow me on Instagram at TracingGodPod. And please stay tuned for our next episode on Wednesday, July 19th. We're going to have an amazing guest come on and I'm super excited to share their testimony and I don't want you to miss it. So have a blessed day, stay prayed up, and I'll see you next time.